Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Box to Box podcast. Another episode right here, right now. Thought we could start this episode with a little bit of energy because it's been dead the past few weeks with the, t- with the type of ventures that we've been seeing lately. So I just thought that this is the type, you know, this is the time to actually get some energy through. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, this week, I'm, I'm your host, Nicholas Carapola. And before Ramzan cuts me off, let me just actually introduce him. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say I was just gonna say that it's Sopani who has these dead intros, bruh. He's always like, "Hello, yo, yo, your intros are dead, bruh." Anyway, I'm not I'm not gonna get into that. W- w- welcome. Have you heard your intros? My intros are amazing, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, like I think well, basically, you just heard them there. There's Ramazan and there's Sopani. So I think. This is probably one of the more abrupt intros to our podcast, but that's okay. We have to change it up anyways. Um, so obviously we're uh, we're changing up a bit. We're not really talking about a, you know the usual segments that we have first on, but this is a bit more of a kind of like a review because a lot of things have happened in the past two weeks, probably more than some people realize. So um, I think we should probably get to the first order of business. And that is um, the fact that you know, at the time, at the time of recording right now, we have just um, seen Arsenal uh, beat Tottenham Hotspur. So I think that will probably be a really good place to start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as as and, uh, you know, I think I'll ring soaps in just now. But then what I will say is, is that that is a, a massive win for a manager, which I think probably has been scrutinized more than any other manager this season because of the amount of pressure that he has been put under. So I think so. Just, just ring it in. Like, what, what was that about? Like, what, what really made Arsenal tick? Because some fans maybe were positive, others maybe not. But then I think they, I think they surprised us. They surprised me. I didn't think we we're going to be 3 0 up, at, you know, in no, 30 minutes. I, I predicted 3 0. But the My manner. My prediction for this game was 3 0. And let manner. me tell you that the, the manner, I wasn't yeah. too surprised. I wasn't too surprised because I expected us. After after all we saw, yes, it was Wimbledon, but we found ourselves finding our feet, finding spaces, and I was it was positives, and they've been positives for the past month because leading up to this game, we've won our previous three games with all clean sheets, so I don't see why people had any any doubt going into this game. It was an Arteta masterclass. He got the team selection right. Uh, he even spoke about how it was hard to leave out some players like Pepe, but I think. Again, it paid off. <clears throat> uh, the start of the season was horrible. And rightfully so because of uh, we're missing a lot of important, crucial players in the spine of the team. Gabriel, actually, Gabriel and White together, this is the first goal they've conceded today. And they've played, and Ramsdale as well. And Ramsdale's played five hours of football. This was his first goal he's conceded. So you can see the difference that these guys make. Thomas parted today, and actually since he's been back, has been massive for us, massive, massive, massive part of that midfield, and you can see how we, how much we missed him, you know. Yeah. And people, yeah, people say, people were saying, no, you guys making excuses for the poor start. And Arteta, even Edu spoke, they're like, guys, if you give it more perspective, you look at, yes, we lost, but what, what conditions did we lose under? We're missing a lot of important players. People weren't even fit. I don't even know what was going on with preseason, the preparation wasn't right. But I feel like things are looking up. I'm very optimistic, very hopeful for the future now. I think next we have Brighton. Brighton, who could be top of the league. That'll be a tough, a tough fixture. But I, I'm still yeah. backing us to go on and win that. And uh, to close off this, let me just say Arteta is the manager of the month. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, oh, such the a month. fan. 
He's such a fan. He sounds like a fan. You can he can hear it in his voice. You can hear the joy in his voice. Ah, yeah, obviously no. But then, but then I think well, obviously, <laughs> obviously no. It's it's a very exciting thing. I think um, Arsenal fans probably deserve this uh, more than anything because I think we've you know we've suffered enough already this season. So it's good to actually have like a win like that. But then Ramzan, on your spectrum, you said that Spurs were gonna be horrible, and they disproved you for like the first three games. But then I think maybe you're kind of right about how bad they seem to be because. Although Arsenal were very good in that match, Spurs—they they don't really look like a team that, like, it's just—it's just—it's not—it's not really that much of improvement from what Jose was doing. I'm just looking at them. And I'm just thinking that they don't look like they can score more than one goal any game. In fact, the only reason why they scored was because of, um, I think, an off, off the ball challenge. I think Lucas mm. Moura even stopped the match or something mm. like that with Jaka. Mm. And then I think the players kind of like, I don't know, they kind of like switched off because of that because they thought that maybe the whistle was going to be blown for them to just, but then. If that didn't happen, then Ramsdale keeps his clean sheet. So what do you think about Spurs? Yeah, no, I, I said it. Um, um, I, I think Spurs are going to be horrendous. Um, Arsenal basically didn't play football for like a month. And we have, I think we're level on points, aren't we? I think we've got, we've got, we've, we're both, we're we are, we've both got nine points. Are we above on what, goal difference maybe? But I think, we're both have, I, I, I think we both have nine points. Yeah, you see, I told you. Um, Spurs doesn't look good. Uh, they haven't looked good for quite some time. I'm nervous about the. I'm nervous about the manager, um, like the captain, uh, Harry Kane. Okay, I know that Hugo Lloris wears the armband, but you know Harry Kane as one of the captains desperately wanted to leave. Uh, they kind of have a bunch of players that you know you put into a game, you take out of a game. They don't. It doesn't really make a difference. So Deli Ali, Oliver Skip, uh, I'm sad to say Don Dombele as well. All these players who just kind of can't find their feet. They kind of can't find their feet. Uh, Bergwijn, it's just not working. And I don't think it's going to work all season. I, th- I think that we should expect Tottenham, um, um, while Arsenal might be on the rise. And, uh, you know, I'm not the resident Arsenal fan in this podcast. Um, well, but, but, but while that team might be on the rise, I definitely think Tottenham is going in the opposite direction. Uh, they could be in trouble. What's the space? Yeah, I think uh, most definitely because, well, I'm just looking at them, just thinking that from, from Jose to Nuno, maybe, well, you could probably blame the fact that they struggled to find a manager to, you know, manage the club, but that's embarrassing as far as that's concerned. But uh, <laughs> I think we'll, uh, we'll see how Spurs do. But, of course, um, I think if we're going to look at the top end of the table, since, um, you know, that was just simply uh, one soft RB game whereby, you know, basically form goes out of the window. Chelsea and Manchester City. Now, I was speaking to the boys about this a bit earlier that I was very skeptical as to the way Chelsea had set up. Chelsea lost that match 1-0 to City. But then what I was really, really, you know, disappointed was the fact that I thought that they were just going to go with a nominal 3-4-3, Havertz and maybe, maybe Werner, maybe Mount behind Bukaku. But then they decided to play N'Golo Kante instead of Kai Havertz as mm. the as a perennial third player, like basically on the team sheet, it looked like Conte was actually playing next to, you know, Werner in the team. And I understand what they tried to do, but basically they left two attacking players. They only had two attacking players and maybe alongside the wingbacks as well. Mm. But then you played three CDMs and mind you, they're, they're XG. And I know that, you know, XG is a very, you know, I think not, not many people are really getting into it, but I think, you know, it's going to be something which will grow on people more and more. Their XG was 0.4. And mm-hmm. 0.4, literally, that means that your XG wasn't even one. You weren't even expected to score one goal. Yeah. You weren't even expected to score one goal. Their XG at halftime was 0.22. Yeah. Even worse. 
it only increased afterwards because they had a few more chances. I'm not really sure whether they had a goal on target. Sorry, you know, whether they had any shots or not goal on target, a shot on target. Not to mention the fact that I saw Ederson's stats. I think he only had one save. Mm. <laughs> so now, now that I've said all that, I think, you know, I'll ask Ramzan first and then I'll go to Soaps. When you're a team that is playing in that manner, when you're winning, it's all well and good, isn't it? When you're winning matches like that, but then when you don't win, especially when you concede first as a team that expects to keep a clean sheet every single game, does that mean that Tuchel doesn't really quite have that much of a plan B? Yeah, I, I do see what you're saying. And um, first of all, as like I told you earlier, um, I have to pat City on the back. I also hated on City at the beginning of the season. And they put in a really big performance. Um, that goal was very deserved, and it was a pretty good goal as well. I know, I know, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice little spin for me. Um, um, and then he took the shot, deflection, whatever. The deflection and it went in. It was a good goal. Um, I do think the Chelsea playing the three in midfield um, was as a response to Man City. Uh, so I don't agree that Tucho doesn't have a plan B because that is his plan B. Um, um, he, you know, he, he understands the strength that he has um, um, playing three at the back. And instead of maybe going into four um, with, okay, four, three, three, um, still decides to go three, five, two, um, um, which I don't think is particularly a bad decision. Um, if you can match City in the midfield uh, and then your wing backs also get up, it, it does mean that they still have a lot of numbers going forward. Um, but then it did depend on it did depend on um, how often and how how many of their players get forward. And I agree with you that um, Lukaku and Verna were often were often isolated, barely barely getting a touch. Uh, Lukaku didn't get a chance to be as dangerous as I expect him to be, um, as I want him to be every week. Um, I don't know. I don't think this says so much about Tuchel uh, or Tuchel. Um, I I think it was City playing really well. Um, yeah. And it was one nil. It's definitely not like the hardest loss to take. Uh, they will, they will be all right. Okay, that's one well good. I think you no. Know, uh, what I want to get from Soaps is, is that well, having seen the way, uh, to a certain extent, you've seen how Arsenal played, and maybe some of the teams you've seen how fans have always cried out for a very good football to be played. But I don't know because I don't know, um, Soaps. If you watched the match, I'm assuming you did. Yeah. Uh, like, do you think Chelsea fans actually enjoyed the way they play, or is it really just the fact that they no. because, because I think I'm just looking at them. Chelsea plays. Well. I think they came out of their shell in the second half. They came out of their shell in the first in the second half, but in the first half, I feel like they gave them too much respect. They feared City in the first half, which was odd because they'd been uh, beating them pre- yeah, prior to them. this meeting. That change in the shape, uh, bringing in Kante to play as a three to the three five two. That was him scared of the attack. He was trying to counter what City could bring bring uh, coming forward. Because even you, you speak of uh, Chelsea making a tweak, so did Pep. Pep Pep only played one CDM. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, he played a very attacking formation. He played a lot of very, a very attacking team because there was Grealish, because there was Grealish, uh, Foden, Jesus, KDB, Bernardo Silva were all in. He played like five strikers, bro, because all those guys like used yeah. to play up front as well. <laughs> yeah, all those guys get forward. So like, yeah. it was a very attacking, uh, and that's that's new from City. That's different. But again, they were trying to counter that. They were trying to match it. As a result, they lost their identity. 
they failed to play to their strengths. I think Mount wasn't available for the game, but I think going starting with Havertz should have been an, uh, a priority. Should have started with Havertz and Werner. Maybe with Werner, Lukaku and Havertz as a front three would have taken a different shape. Kante in for Kovacic or Jorginho as a two, midfield two. I think they would have had a different outcome in the game. But with that being said, no, with the approach he took, City were the better team on the day. And City are looking like the real deal. And <laughs> they could, still too soon, still too early to say, but title contenders for sure. Yeah. Yeah, m- most definitely. I think, you know, people just saw their loss against Southampton the other week and probably thought that, okay, maybe, you know, I was actually thinking to myself, maybe Ramzan could be right. They could yeah, be the draw points. with Southampton. Sorry, their draw, was it? <laughs> yeah, that was a no-no at home at Desi had. So people probably thought that maybe it would be the team which uh, would probably overthink things a bit and uh, maybe fall off a bit in a four-man race uh, or four-club race, whatever you want to call it. But uh, they've certainly, like, you know, reminded everybody that we're still most definitely here and we're still most definitely the favorites to win the title. Oh, okay, sorry, so, sorry, Nick, but before, just before yeah. you go on, Ruben Diaz looks great, by the way. And, I, and I'm so happy that he's I'm so happy that he's the captain. After basically <laughs> only playing for like one season, he's basically just come in and he's like, Yep, I, I'm I'm the captain. I didn't agree with I'm that. the captain of this team. I agree with it entirely. I don't think that being a captain has anything to do with uh, how long you've been at, at a club. If you're commanding uh, uh the respect and the and the performances from your players, uh yes, by all means you should be captain over De Bruyne. It doesn't say anything less about De Bruyne. I, I'm, I'm just really happy for him. Be, I'm, li- I'm liking fair, center backs I... right now. I'm liking center backs. <laughs> well, tell me about Gabriel then. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was good today. He was good today. I'm not going to talk about Arsenal uh, too much. Be, you know, you know what no, you know, about to... this podcast, really, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. I will, I will say, I will say that um, you know, I do prefer center backs being captain. I don't know why. I just feel like that's the way it should be. Because well, if you don't concede a goal, you you will not. You know, you know, match. but the only striker that's a captain the whole Premier League. It is it is kind of cool, but at the same time, it just shows that, you know, usually it's a midfielder, usually it's a centre-back because they always see the game a bit more than strikers probably do. You know, centre-back, you can see the game all the way from the back, uh, back to front. You can, midfielder, you look around a lot, but then it's not, not to say that being a forward is a, you know, being a captain's forward isn't bad, but then, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just not a, too much of a thing. But international football, it's most certainly a thing because if your best player is a forward, then somehow they're just automatically captain. I think Messi and Ronaldo kind of started that trend somewhat. But uh, yeah, let me just uh, move on from that. But who knows, that could be a really good talking point in the future. Uh, yeah, but then just to you know, round this off, uh, I think you know, we also have to speak about Manchester United, uh, mostly because, well, they were the top <laughs> of the... No, no, well, not necessarily because, you know, as you know, people have been thinking it's been too much of an agenda. But then, you know, all of a sudden, United fans wanted us to speak more about United last week. I'm pretty sure they don't want us to speak about them this week. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, they lost to Villa 1-0. But then what I actually wanted to point out is the fact that, you know, football psychology is a very important thing because Bruno Fernandes took that penalty. And apparently, according to the scuffle, uh, you know, and also what the media has been saying is that, you know, Ronaldo perhaps wanted to take the pen. Emmy Martinez had the audacity to actually go up and say that he wanted Ronaldo to take the penalty. And I find that very odd. But then <laughs> after, after seeing what he did at the Copa America, where he literally like intimidated, well, I'll, I'll say it like this, intimidated the hell out of the Colombia players. And then he ended up saving, what, two or three penalties 
Yeah, Yeri Mina, Yeri Mina's penalty. Yeah, literally, he said, I know which side you're going. I know where you're going to put it. And he literally went the same side. Yeah. And then he saved it. And it just shows you that if you get into someone's head, because not in a million years, even under all that pressure, people can talk about pressure, people can talk about Ronaldo being clutch. But I did not think Bruno Fernandes was going to miss that penalty. But then all of a sudden he takes it. Martinez has said all he wanted to say. He's inside Bruno's head. And then Bruno doesn't even use his technique. He literally took the penalty like an average player rather than his little skip jump dyna- dynamic. And then he skies it all the way to my mom's house, like quite literally. Oh, Nicholas. So, <laughs> so, so no, no, but then well, that's, just, that's, that's just his fact there. But then, you know, it went pretty high because I was very surprised with that. Like that's how, that's how high they rate those penalties because that is what he is actually extremely good at. His penalty technique is more ironclad than Jorginho's. And that's some... Penalty aside, really Nicholas, cool. those guys were underwhelming the whole game and they've been yeah. for the past two weeks. Yeah, so that's why I'm just like, no, I was just putting on to the psychology side. And, um, you know, of course, United fans probably might be very discontent at the moment. But um, I think the fact that uh, Ronaldo's performance, you know, like that performance is basically what he's been doing every game, except he had been scoring. So when he doesn't, then it doesn't necessarily look as good as you would think it would. Uh, as and, far you as know, I was going. telling, sorry to interrupt, I was telling United fans that you guys had, uh, minus Ronaldo this season. Uh... <laughs> You be you be a proper mid table side right now. You didn't have you you never had thirteen points. I I don't I don't agree. I don't agree. I think I think United is playing quite well. Uh, you guys need to still understand no. that this is the this is the Premier League, right? Um, yes, yeah, some yeah, games course. some games are gonna be uh, um a, a bit tougher than others, and and a lot of teams are you know preparing. They they know who Ronaldo is, and they know the players that Manchester United have, and um, yeah, they are preparing for them. Uh, I I do agree with Soaps that I think I think last or this weekend United was a bit underwhelming. Um, and I don't think that they played well, and the Bruno penalty is just the icing on the cake. I don't think that it's it's so much. You know, he missed a penalty, right? So many players miss penalties. Um, he'll get over it, and I actually think he should take the next penalty. Um, unfortunately, that might not happen, and it it'll be interesting to see now. Uh, you know how things go in the Man United dressing room. I think I think I think it's also like a bit of a sense of karma. I think United fans probably hate me by now after everything I've said. But um, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came out in his um, in his press conference and he said there was a certain manager last year who was starting to worry about us getting pens. And after that, it seems like the decisions are more difficult to give. He directly attacked Klopp. Like that was like that was like the most obvious attack ever because we all know that Klopp complained earlier this year that United were getting too many penalties. And Solskjaer, you know, says that, then eventually he finally gets a penalty. And guess what? It's been missed. And I just I just feel as though that, you know, this whole stigma around penalties, especially Manchester United, is, uh, you know, it's very interesting. But I don't know whether, you know, Solskjaer's theory is correct. But then what I have noticed is, is that maybe, you know, the penalties drying up could be a sign of better refereeing to a certain extent because there have been too many, you know, too many Mickey Mouse decisions, not just on United's part, but then all over the Premier League, which has been getting given. Because even... In the Spurs game with Arsenal today, I saw Kane go down, and I just thought to myself, the last season that would have been a penalty. Nice, definitely, I think, definitely. I think, I think the, I think the refs have actually, like, you know, like they've actually, you know, began being a bit more rational. Just think, we're not just be give, we're not, we're not just going to be giving them that easily. And also, you know, it's better if you, if you won, knowing that you haven't really had to, you know, get a penalty to do it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, um, no, I think no. United, it should, it should all be good. 
but then I'm just looking at uh, a couple of things. You know, this is just horrible news, but their fixture list for October, November is horrendous. Everton, Leicester, Atlanta, Liverpool, Tottenham, Atlanta again, Yo. Man City, <laughs> Man City, Watford, Villarreal, Chelsea, Arsenal, all the way till November. They have they have it all to do. So if they can actually survive these next two months, having just lost probably the easiest game of the lot on paper, then they will probably have very good prospects of how their season is going to go if they can win at least like maybe 60 to 70% of those matches. No, but El Matador is back as well. Uh, they, they should they should be okay. They, they, they definitely have the players in the squad depth um, um, to, 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 to cover those games. Uh, I think the, the, the tough <laughs> part, okay. the tough, the tough part, the tough part will be, you know, to, to, to make sure that everyone like remains confident, I think for, you know, as, as the season, as the season continues, uh, I think that will be hard, but um, yeah, it's, it's a run of form. I think it's a run of games that um, a lot of teams are going to have, um, um, especially teams that are in Europe as well. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty good for the Premier League. I just wanted to have a, a quick word that uh, Barcelona actually beat Levante 3-0. Uh, I've been seeing that uh, Ansa Fati scored after just like um, coming off the bench for nine minutes. Apparently got man of the match, apparently, after just playing for nine minutes, which is, uh, you know, a very, very, like, out of expect that from Leo. Yeah, I'd have expected that from Leo Messi, but then um, I think people should probably take into account that the social media for Barcelona have really been hyping them up, like yeah. a lot, a lot. And I'm just wondering how the pressure is going to go for that. But it's uh, it's good for Barca to actually get a win because, you know, Koeman is really on the sack trail. And I think, you know, the fact that Luke de Jong scored in that match as well probably made things a whole lot better for him because it almost feels like as if sometimes a manager's job is equated to how a player's performing. And yeah. the more, and the more, for example, someone like Luke de Jong stagnates, the more you put pressure on the manager. This is like the way sometimes, you know, the, the managers most play, you know, whenever a manager plays a player in particular a lot, and that player that they insist on starting does not perform, then it really reflects badly on them. But uh, yeah, it's all, it's all well and good. And um, yeah, I think that's all I can say about this segment for now. Brighton can go top of the league. Um, you should probably just remember that if they win their game on Monday, which would be great. Uh, for you know, just just for Premier League vibes, but then yeah, I think that's all we have to say for this first segment, and let's move on to the next. Okay, yeah. So for this next segment, um, I was given a task. Oh wait, before I before I get <laughs> properly properly into this, um, Nicholas said something about about uh, Ronald Koeman in uh, in the last segment. Yeah, I think Ronald Koeman is gonna go and like. In like two weeks. By the time that we're recording again, I don't think Ronald Koeman is going to be Barcelona manager. He is like very, very well on the sack train. But yeah. <laughs> no, I think we'll, we'll we'll get to the sack season segments very soon. Like the race comes through. So yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let's get to it. Um, so um, I was tasked this week to um, uh, try to consider um, the PSG situation, right? Uh, so PSG, if you don't know, you probably know has like this huge super team uh you've got Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, uh, Donnarumma, Verratti, Di Maria, Icardi, all these players that uh, you might be familiar with and uh, we wanted to consider whether a super team is a good idea in football right um, has it worked before has it not worked before and what are the sort of things that PSG um, needs to do to um, avoid um, I don't know, being being in trouble as other super teams have been in trouble before. So, um, you know, it sounds pretty straightforward, but 
uh, for me at least it wasn't really that uh, it was difficult for me to classify what a super team actually is um, if you think about other sports and by other sports I mean basketball uh, you know a super team would you'd basically just look at um, how many all-stars are in, a, are in a team right so if you consider the Golden State Warriors for example uh, so Kevin Durant, Boogie Cousins, Draymond, uh, uh, Steph, Clay um make up five all-stars right that is a super team stuff like that stuff like that doesn't just happen and um in football we don't really have that uh, because there are no all-stars in football so i tried to consider like different things um uh, do you do you consider uh, perhaps a goal top goal goal 50 the goal 50 list do you want to say that okay if a team has more than five or six players in the goal 50 list, then they, then they become a super team. Um, but then what about players that haven't been bought, but those players have kind of been brought up within the system? Um, is that still considered a super team? So Barcelona, uh, um, uh, given, okay, given that, Barcelona's probably had a, had a super team for like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. Um, if you consider the value of players, if you consider the value of players, again, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man City, you know, have all been super teams. Um, so what are we considering as a super team? And that's a, you know, a, um, a, a, a bit, a bit difficult. I, I, I thought. So I just looked at, um, um, you know, different teams that have, yes, one spent a lot, brought in a lot of players. And also had like a high expectation to deliver. And I considered that to be a super team. Um, um, some teams um, did perform did perform quite well, maybe at the beginning, um, and then kind of died off. An example of that is maybe Wenger's Arsenal, um, which maybe started off as something like a super team, but then obviously eventually died off. Uh, and then you must consider at what point, at what point is that, you know, uh, at what point does the team stop becoming a super team? So you see, you know, quite like nitty gritty, um, um, a bit of complicated stuff. But still, nonetheless, um, um, I came up with three teams that I think that PSG can um, look at and try to um, um, correct the mistakes that they made and, 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 you know, potentially like double down on the successes that they had. Right. Um, and the first team that I've gone with is the team that I think I would I would relate closely or the closest to um, PSG today. And that is the Galacticos, the Real Madrid Galacticos between 2002 and 2006. Right. Um, to some people, this is a very successful time for Real Madrid. Um, um, to others, not exactly. So, yes, they have the big names they have. They had uh, they brought in Beckham, uh, Zinedine Zidane. Uh, Raul was already there, but uh, uh, Ronaldo Nazario also came in. Roberto Carlos was already there. It was a stacked team. Uh, that, that is that is five names off the top of my head, and and there were like a lot more who came in um, 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 later on. Um, but in that period where they were, you know, they had all these huge, huge names in football, they only won like three La Ligas. Uh, I think they won three La Ligas between 98 and 2007. Um, you know, one Champions League and a couple of Copa del Reis, right? Uh, really not that impressive. You'd expect like a lot more from a team like that. Any team that is um, as stacked as, 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 as that Madrid team was um, really should have had um, something like three or four Champions Leagues, right? And um, a key issue that that team had was they had, as soon as the players started coming in, so there was a change in, in there was a change in management when Del Bosque was uh, sacked in two thousand and one. 
Uh, I forgot the manager who came in after that, but then his staff was basically told, um, you have to bring in big names, right? And that, that was literally the, the language that was used. Big names, people who are going to give us a lot of marketing uh, and, and people who are going to make Real Madrid feel like a big team. Right, so uh, the, the the transfer strategy, as you can probably tell, um, even without me saying anything, was pretty flawed. Uh, this led to a lot of players ending up being dropped. Players like Claude Makélélé, who were who was you know previously very successful at Real Madrid, um, uh, created his own position basically, um, ended up being dropped because you know he was not you know cute enough or or, or he didn't he didn't really fit in together with the other uh, celebrity sort of footballers. Um, and they lost a, a, a big player in that position, a player who I think if he had stayed at Real Madrid, probably would have delivered them a little bit more success. Um, so in relation to PSG, that's, that's, that's something that I could, see them, I could see them going through. I could see them uh, abandoning some key players in key positions. Um, I'm a big fan of Le- Leandro Paredes, for example. Um, I could see them uh, taking out players like that off the system. Um, in favor of some um, other names uh, because those are the players that they have signed. And I don't know if that's the, that's the best thing for them to do. And I think the Pochettino really has to like um, um, watch out for that. The other two, I'm going to just go through very, very quickly um, because I think, that, I think that considering them super teams is, you know, it's really a give or, a give or take. Um, and, I, and, I, and again, I'm just focusing on uh, the things that maybe they didn't do so well other than the things that they did very well, right? So uh, Wenger's Arsenal were um, invincible, right? Um, yes, they had world beaters as well. Freddie Umberg, Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, Patrick Vieira, the list goes on and on. Um, but something that they did um, over the period in, two, I think, 2002, 2002 to 2009 is they bought and sold so frequently. Um, so a lot of players, there was a lot of rotation in the team, uh, not rotation like uh, substituting, but a lot of selling and a lot of buying, a lot of someone coming in, playing super well for two seasons and then having to leave. Um, and that was obviously for different reasons. Um, Arsenal was getting out of Highbury and was getting into the Emirates Stadium. So they had to fund those things. Um, perhaps without that, it would have been a different result. But, you know, even, even given that, um, um, they did end up, only making like a couple of Champions League finals and uh, some semi-finals as well. Uh, definitely underperformed for a team that is, you know, alongside Liverpool, Manchester United and Chelsea, you know, probably probably one of the biggest teams in England. Um, um, that is something that um, um, they should have won the Champions League. Like, like there's, no, there's no two ways about it. Um, and then the other team that I have is I have Pips Man City. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's really no other way to say it. Perhaps Man City should have should have won the Champions League by now. Uh, the team has been stacked. They've spent, I think, the most money. Um, I think it's it's very close to a billion pounds now over the course of his uh, four or five years um, in the Premier League. And they haven't won the Champions League yet. Um, what is the reason? Well, I actually think it's more of a lack of focus. Um, Pep, over the years, has been the sort of win every game sort of manager and I think that fine maybe most managers have to be like that but I just don't think that it's possible to win four trophies um, in in one season right I think that these quadruple uh, sort of expectations are actually what end up affecting um, teams like Man City from winning the league so perhaps a team like PSG might want to um, you know not actually care that much about La Liga and the other league cups in, in France and focus solely on 
on uh, on the Champions League, uh, and maybe that's something that's going to um, um, reap them them benefits. Uh, another so 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 that's the last team. Uh, just another thing with the with basketball as well. The reason why the Golden State Warriors didn't win the didn't win the title when um, Kevin Durant and and all those guys were there is because they had too many injuries, right? And too many injuries comes from obviously playing too many games. Uh, you don't have enough substitutes. You don't have enough people who you can rotate in and out and give people a rest. Um, I think that teams like PSG could really benefit from that. Mbappe is certainly a player that could benefit from a rest. He could he could forget about winning uh, a player of the month in France for a couple of months and just focus on the Champions League. I think it would do a lot better for his career. So yeah, that's what I think. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about? Um, okay, so first, super teams, and and maybe what PSG has to do to um, um, succeed as a super team. Um, let's start with uh, Nicholas. I think you really touched up on it very well because obviously you always ask first what is what is a super team, and I think you know I'll go with you know there's this two there's two sides to the spectrum. It's either you have just simply spent a lot of money to fill in the gaps inside your 11 to make your 11 perfect, or you have gone and bought the best players, which does not necessarily need to be expensive. So that's what PSG have done in particular. So yes. Man City show, so Man, Man City show you the former, whereby you spend a lot of money because not all those players automatically would you have said that this guy is one of the best players in the world. Riyad Mars was not that, at least yes. not at the time when he was being signed. People thought it was too much money for him. Bernardo Silva was not that, nobody recalls that. Uh, even Kevin De Bruyne, when he was signed much earlier, he was not that yet. It's just that, you know, they've managed to plug the holes. So, you know, having said that, I think, no, you, you touched on it brilliantly. And I think, you know, personally, I feel like a super team is most definitely, you know, it would have to be categorized as the team, which, you know, you, you've bought the very best players. Uh, but then that just shows that if you don't have the, the, the substance, by that I mean you only have a good 11, but then what if those guys get injured? And of course, a super team is going to fail because also so the, the, the starting 11 is no longer a super team. It has somebody who, you know, might not be as good as the rest of the team. So, you know, that's how you can start to fail a bit. So yes. PSG, you know, luckily for them, they do have good bench players, but then they have to make sure that they find, you know, they find a good combination. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. Um. So, so do you have anything on the um super teams and um perhaps what PSG could do uh, either differently or similarly to other super teams? I think you rightfully touched on a few very good teams. I think you very much disrespected Sir Alex Ferguson. I'll be the first to call you out. I know all the United <laughs> fans will cut you out. How have you not mentioned any of the teams that Sir Alex Ferguson managed as a super team? I think he's had a few trouble winning sides. And you spoke, and you know how how impressive it is. You went on to talk about how City can't they they can't win Champions League, League, and FA Cup, or they can't really pull off a, a major treble. So yeah. Alex Ferguson certainly did that on a few countable occasions. I think I don't know which one of his teams would have to go down as the Galacticos. I think, but certainly gigs and scores and Evra will have to be part of it, or you could look back. At their 99, 98 squad, I think, with Sosa, yeah. the one yeah. that, you know, but there's a few to mention there. And as for PSG this season, I don't think they have to do too much to win Champions League, to be fair. I think already in the league, they've won eight out of eight. Um, they're cruising through. Messi's not even playing. I feel like Messi this season, his job is Champions League. So let, let uh, Draxler, Julian Draxler, let, 
let Icardi, let those guys take care of the league. I think those guys are good enough to win the league, actually. And then now Messi and Neymar, those guys have to roll up their sleeves and now take on Champions League. And I think they'll do well in that department as well. Yeah. No, I think I think with that, um, I, I was focusing on on the negatives, um, or the teams that I felt were, um, uh, super teams, but they didn't um do the things that they needed to do. Yeah, they didn't accomplish. They didn't accomplish but, what you know I expected them to accomplish. But then again, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, ah, talking, then in like, that it's, case, <laughs> it's actually like it's actually like you're right, but it's actually really hard to identify a super team because now that I think about it, you think about the three peak Real Madrid side. Can you call them a super team when they were failing to win the league to a certain that extent, is, you know, against Barcelona? So it's just it's just very hard. Like it's not that easy as people people can just say it's a super team. There's some Man United fans that thought they had a super team with this Ronaldo thing. But now that you think about it, when when you take the team out to other no no, no but then when you think about it, when you take the teams you know to other competitions and the fact that they don't have a really good CDM at the moment, then it's not you know it's not good enough you know. So I guess you know being a super team isn't as easy as people think it is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And and again, it's what are the expectations for a super team? Is it um is is it just winning Champions League? Is it winning Champions League and the league? Um, um which league is it? You know, I did consider a lot of other teams. I considered AC Milan. Uh, I considered. I wanted to consider Liverpool. Uh, uh, Liverpool during the the Gerard Mascherano Xabi Alonso uh, um, um period because because they but they won the Champions League. Uh, yeah, they won the Champions League, but then, but then, uh, um, if they, you know, if that if that game goes any differently for like two minutes, if it goes differently for two minutes in Istanbul, uh, it's a completely different story. Then they don't win the Champions League, and then now it's like uh, they haven't then won anything forever, <laughs> and, and that would have, that would have been a failure for them to win the league. Sorry, you have to point out the fact that they are failure yes. to win the league. I yes. mean, exactly, they had a squad with Michael Owen won the Ballon d'Or. Exactly. And they didn't win the league. Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> so, so, so it's, it's, yeah, it is tough to to identify. Um, I do think that the three teams that I identified um are close to what PSG might be going through. Um, in terms of having a, a stacked team, um, and and um, you know, them being, you know, you know, they they could be in a position where they end up making some mistakes that some of these other teams have made. But yeah, um, that is what I had on super teams. Um, I will move on uh, to something that is a lot lighter and a lot more um, fun and a lot more, maybe maybe even interesting uh, uh, um, for some people in the next segment. All right, so for this segment, I'm going to um, talk about Fantasy Premier League. Um, a lot of people who listen to this probably play fantasy in our league uh, or play fantasy in some of the other, uh, I don't know, Malawi and South African leagues. Um and yeah, it's we're now what six, seven weeks in. Fantasy is a tough game, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think maybe it just it just it just depends coming on the, who, yeah, coming from Ramzan, to be fair. I am terrible at fantasy. I am terrible. Every week I think I look at my team and I look at it, I'm like, this is 70, 80 points guaranteed. And I'm looking at my team this week and I've got like something like 36, bro. It's horrible. I hate fantasy. <laughs> but yeah but yeah so so with that I, I i did try to classify um um certain you know fantasy players or how or this you know how some people play fantasy to you know their personality and uh you know just some things that are a bit interesting about them All right so i've got um um five five different uh types of fantasy premier league players 
right? So at number five, uh, at the bottom, I've got the rational player, right? Now, the rational player is probably someone like Nicholas. Um, he's in the top five. He probably gets A stars like 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 uh, in uni or in high school, whatever. He's a very smart student. Uh, everything is in order. He plays fantasy probably like 30 minutes a week. He doesn't think about it too much, but his team is spotless from like the beginning till the end. He is going to be great at fantasy the whole season. That's the first, that's the first type of player, right? The second type of player that I have is I call the genius, right? And that's the category that me and Sopani are in, right? So the genius now works on vibes. The genius doesn't really, <laughs> the genius does not... <laughs> The genius, <laughs> the genius does not care about what XG means, does not care about what expected assists are. The genius only cares about what he knows about football. Every yeah. time I look, every time I look at my squad, I will forever have Bruno Fernandes, such is the belief that I have in him. I always have Lukaku as my captain, and I always have uh, uh, Salah in there. I always have, you know, there's some players that I just always have in there that I'll never really make any changes to, regardless of, you know, their form. In previous seasons, I've had Aguero as captain literally the whole season, from start to finish, because I never know. One day, he might wake up and decide to score five goals. So I never know. So because I don't want to miss out on that, he's just going to be my captain throughout. So those are the, uh, the, the genius players. Uh, and, and, and that's people like me, people like Sobani. Uh, guaranteed, we're not going to finish high. I'm like 80th at the moment, um, I think, in the, in the box-to-box league. I think I'm doing better than you, Ramzan. Are you doing better than me? Uh, no, we can't have that. For sure. We can't have that. For sure. I'm right gonna, now number 18 I'm gonna in, in our league. No, you're not number 18. Get out of here. Uh, what are do you, you think? Number, are you number eight? You think I'm like you? He 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 is. Yeah. I actually have I have the league I'm open. The top I, literally, I literally have the league open right now. Um, oh, has I'm to just good... up as number ten. <laughs> so so man, you're not a genius then. Nah, then, then. Then get out of here. You're not like no me. no no. It means you. It means you think about. This. <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't. No, no, I don't no, think Ramzan. about. I don't think about these things. That's why. That's what makes me a genius. <laughs> no no. Ramzan, Ramzan. So why he does think about these things? But why I think maybe Sobis might still be in the genius categories because of what happened to him last season. What did he do? Did he have Obama? No, no, no. Okay, yeah, he did. He did, but then he made a rogue choice to captain Trent on a week where it really mattered who you captained that week. And then since then... Did it work out? No, it didn't. And since then, Sobani plummeted down the table. Yeah. From then on, and he was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, no, he's so Sobani is definitely a genius. Now, now I, I need to point to out, I need to point out that mm. the genius will eventually get some 70-point weeks, right? It's just that most of the weeks he's gonna have 36, 40, 50, 50 points. He's never gonna do amazing. Uh, most of the so time you thought I was like you. Most of the time he's gonna be below average. I'm below average, like on most weeks. <laughs> But I'm on the week that I, but on the week. on the week that I do get seventy, I'll make so much noise about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that you guys know that I'm a beast of fantasy. <laughs> but yes, anyway, let's move on. So now the third type of player that I have, third type of fantasy player that I have is the, this is the triple captain in the first week type of player, right? Now this player of fantasy has so much swag. He probably gets all the goals. <laughs> He'll finish like maybe twentieth or something like that in fantasy. Uh, you know, he plays kind of regularly, you know, because his team is probably quite good um, from the start to finish. 
um, doesn't take it that seriously. And at the end of at the end of the day, he's gonna say something like, "Oh, I don't actually care about fantasy." Right, so uh, they they will act like they don't play. Yeah, they'll act like they they'll act like they don't really play, but they they triple captain in the first week to get ahead, and they're gonna be amazing in the first couple of weeks. But we all know what happens. Fantasy is a long game. Thirty six, uh, 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 sorry, thirty eight, um, um, games uh, is a, is a long time. One triple captain cannot save you the whole season, or two two triple captains, sorry, cannot save you the whole season. But yeah, the first the first week triple captain player very has so much swag, has so much. So much game. Um, I, I trust those people. Those people have a, a lot of flair, a lot of finesse. Um, I then have the the second. Uh, uh, okay, what is it? The second. I'm on the fourth now, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the fourth type of uh, fantasy player, and that's the Facebook Tips player. Now, this is all of us, right? We can't lie. We all we all have that page on Facebook or Twitter um, um, that's telling us what to do every single every single week. Um, but we don't want to admit it. Everyone wants to think that they're genius at fantasy. No, you're not, right? You're like looking at, you're looking at what other people do and you're just kind of emulating it uh, in some way or the other. Um, yeah, that, that player is all of us, uh, but we don't want to admit it. I think that that player is very funny. Uh, and then the last player that I have, the last type of fantasy player that I have is the, the most annoying fantasy player. And that is the scout player. The player that looks at the scout and just copies that team more you know more or less like week in week out that sort of player has no personality probably cheats and tests like eats vanilla ice cream <laughs> you know Man, like, you, you, you could be you could be laying out you could be laying out some people on here yo, <laughs> I have to say. but i Caref- be careful with i am definitely telling the truth people who just look at the scout and play fantasy like you have no personality right take some risks in your life be a genius or be a first week triple captain player you know, those are the two types of players to to want to be like. You can't be like the rational player because the rational player is like, like those are people who've been playing fantasy like for years and like you know they're good at it, right? But like you know, if you want some swag in your life, you know, be a genius. You know, take some risks. Captain, I don't know, a goalkeeper. I don't know, do some do something wild there. <laughs> Captain started week. Did you? Yeah, because Saga got, got an assist, team. isn't it? Yeah, an assist, clean sheet. Yeah. No, but yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, fantasy is uh, yeah, fantasy is a very very funny game, very very interesting game. Um, I'm never good at fantasy. I play fantasy um, almost every year. I never finish well. Uh, I don't care. If the week that I get seventy points, that's the week. That's the week that you know you're all gonna hear from me. <laughs> so yeah, those are those are my types of uh, fantasy players. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with any of those, or you, or you have your own types as well. No, that 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 was pretty audacious from me. Like I'm, I've actually like enjoyed that because I never like heard anybody like categorize types of fancy players. Like literally, <laughs> I actually love to hear that. But uh, no, um, I just I just hope that you know whoever's listening to this, uh, I hope that your uh, your inside this league, uh, the BTP league, of course, um, if you have contact with us, and obviously if uh, you follow any of our social media accounts. Uh, most definitely, like I'm just gonna be leaving the links around because when more people join this, this league actually has way more people than I thought it would. Like I don't know where they yeah. yeah, yeah, 140 yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, and Dia is leading. Okay, yeah, and Dia is. <laughs> is Dia winning? Oh, yeah, that is top of the league. Oh, that is top of the league. That is so annoying. How can Dia be and Rashid, winning? And I'm like, Don't and Rashid, Rashid, that. Rashid isn't Rashid isn't second. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 Nicholas, you're not representing do us. You know, do you know? Do you know? 
yeah, he is. He really, he really is very good. Like Remember he's, the year um, we created FIFA Fantasy, and yeah. I think the prize was first place was FIFA 19. I think there was a cash prize as well. Yeah, Rashid yeah. was first for FIFA Fantasy. He was first. He won FIFA 19 that year. <laughs> when we did FIFA fantasy. Does he does he, really better a lot. does he better a lot? Yeah, he, he does a lot. Yeah, he things. also does that. Yeah, he does a lot as well. So I don't know. He's he's actually very good. And last season, like he, he really pushed like you know me and Siwu and some of the other guys which are very serious in this game to the limit. Still finished above. Oh, what that meant to see with But then yo, I, I don't know. Um yo, so, so, so do I you guys to, consider I, sorry, uh, do you guys consider Rashid a genius or a rational player? I think he's becoming rational, he, like He's based on last player. season, that's based on last season. I think, yeah, he's definitely rational now, and I think he's, he's probably player. he's probably he's, enjoy, like, like me. he's probably I, I, listening I, right now. I am so. dis- <laughs> like, disappointed. Like, I I I wish he was a I wish he was a genius. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think that's been the episode, guys. Um, yeah, some serious things, some things that are a bit more fun. There are definitely a lot more things coming up in the next few weeks. Um, please stay like now, like, like now, please stay tuned. Um, we we might have a potential giveaway in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, but that's been the episode. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm.